Hi, my name is Sean Taylor. That's my friend Chris Ford, a.k.a. The Objective Geek of YouTube and Twitter fame. We are Avatar The Last Podcasters, and we're bringing you a very special episode that applies to literally everyone, biologically, and in other ways, too. It's our Mother's Day special. I almost said annual Mother's Day special, which I guess could be true. TBD. No, just regular Mother's Day special. We are going to talk about the best moms in Avatar. In fact, we're going to rank the best moms in Avatar, and it's going to be very exciting, but we're not going to do it until I ask Chris how he's doing. I am doing good, Sean. Uh, I'm watching a lot of Brooklyn Nine-Nine lately, which is uh, pertinent because Andy Samberg is in that, and I, I love Andy Samberg. I thought there's nothing Andy Samberg's been in that I didn't at least like. Even his bad movies are like not bad movies, they're good movies. Like Hot Rod. Anyway, they're intentionally <laughs> like ironically yeah. bad, kind of, I guess. Yeah. I loved um, Hot Rod. But I, I, I you know, love Andy Samberg's his SNL days, which reminds me of his Mother's Day song with Justin Timberlake, the the Mother Lover song, which has been in my head like since I've since I was like, all right, we're gonna do this episode. When you and told like, me what? you had a tangent, I didn't know you were gonna start talking about Mother Lover on our family friendly <laughs> podcast. So... It's catchy, is the issue. It's super oh, catchy. Gosh. You know, all those there's, songs there's... are stupid catchy. Oh, I love them. Like they're to me, they're actually like good songs. But there's one lyric in it for some reason that just cracks me up every time. Like, right. So anyone who doesn't know, it's these two guys who forgot Mother's Day. They didn't give their mother a present. And then you know the song is about what they're gonna get them. <laughs> and, and they end up so they talk about their mom. And the lyric goes, um, see Justin Timberlake's character is like, My mom's been so long ever since my daddy left. Don't want to love her right. Life was put her to the test. And then Andy Samberg's character comes in. And, I know just what you mean. My mom's been all sad and gray. My dad can't satisfy her in the bedroom ever since he passed away. And for some reason, that lyric just like <laughs> always cracks me up. <laughs> I it's but, not my favorite, but I think as far as like having a genuinely good beat and everything to it, Mother Lover might be the yeah. best of the group. It's not my yeah. favorite. I like that it's not gay in a three way because it has that line about Pele shoe yeah. source well, in it. Oh yes, thank you, Sean. I was bring that up too. When that song came out, so, so you know we, we were, were so our excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, so uh, let's see, I I think I was in men's at the time. It was, was that? no, I was I was. 13? I was not in men's. I was not in men's at the time, but men's shoes. And so like, our, our... 2013 or 2014? I'm not sure. So, uh, uh, so I remember... I don't So, in that song, yeah, he goes like, um, I met this girl last week at the Payless Shoe Source. And like, he's holding up a boot. It's the Cheyenne, the Wheat Cheyenne boot, lot number... One zero seven seven one. Is that the and I remember, lot or the American lot? That's the American lot number. Okay. Because I was an analyst in in men's boots and sandals and all the other men's really, um, and so like our job as an analyst was to send the shoe out. So I was directly responsible for sending that shoe to that store that they bought <laughs> that because they're holding up the boot. But that's beautiful. Yeah. I had no idea. Um, the <laughs> It's astounding, the fond memory that I have for that song from working in that place at that time. Yeah, I'm trying to. Find it was great. Yeah, 
trying to find what year it came out. I think it was before I started working there. Um, so on a, it came out in 2011, so I hadn't gone to the office yet. Um, one thing that makes me think of is that I was looking for images or I was going to look for images to plug into our PowerPoint to use. And I just, uh, very innocently, I just typed in moms in Avatar The Last Airbender. And you know what, Chris, there's a lot of weird art out there. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's a poor choice. So I didn't do that, and now there's not really many pictures in my PowerPoint. Just just so you know. Oh, hey, one of my friends. i got to shut that off. You can see my friends and what they're playing. wonder what he was playing. Beat Saber? I guess so. He was seeing, I guess so. He's playing Beat Saber. Anyway, um, that was a beautiful tangent. I'm really glad <laughs> we got to talk about Lonely Island and Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is a show that I did eventually fall in love with. <laughs> I don't have any other segues. Let's let's rank some moms. Yeah. Let's do them. Let's 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 put some loving on some moms. Find <laughs> that type of loving. <laughs> it's uh, a thing is, in the net in the net song in the three way song when they meet each other they're like your mom said hi jinx and then <laughs> that's <laughs> the first line of the song isn't it yeah when they yeah. walk out of the doors uh, yeah. we, there happens to be fifteen Chris I threw one curveball in there at you at the very beginning so it's not impactful I just thought it was funny. And there's 15. We'll go worst to best. This was, uh, I mean, 99.9% Chris's work, but it like our <laughs> rankings, like it wasn't really a debate. It was just a discussion. <laughs> yeah. um, not the usual where sometimes we go back and forth or anything like that. But 99% Chris's work. I might even subtitle this episode. Uh, <laughs> Sean needs to read more comics and stuff. But anyway, let's get to number 15, which is my curveball, which isn't as funny now as it was at the time when I added it. I put the mother mm. of faces in there. You know, I thought about adding her because she does have a mother in her name. So, like, we should have her in the mother of faces. Spirit mothers are mothers too, Chris. I don't know how good yes. one she is because she raised a horrible, monstrous creature. So, I'm just going <laughs> to skip over her and go to the real uh, number 14. Oh, real, real quick, oh. one that I did put in there uh, was the saber-toothed moose lion. This is probably the only uh, animal mother we see. I'm trying to think of other impactful... I'll think I'll think about it. We but that's yeah. the, that's certainly the only one off the top of my head. So yeah. mother of faces, I presume that you're a terrible mother because you raised one awful spirit child. Very <laughs> temperamental. Number fourteen. Okay, so number fourteen, and this list is what is uh is what we think is not not necessarily our favorite mothers, uh, but from best of words as being mothers. So number fourteen is Michi. That's uh, why my sister's name is Michi. Uh, well, it's her nickname, but anyway, not important. Uh, which is May's <laughs> May's mother, and um, and to me she's so so she's te- the worst mother here apparently. Um, to me she she didn't um, she didn't keep her child May from from being a, a terrible person. You know she didn't treat her right from wrong, and also you know May talked a lot about how her parents' parenting style like kind of put her down a lot and i mean i would think her mother her mother was you know a big part of that at least half of that and so yeah so she's uh ranked last and the thing about the mothers here is that this list was hard to do because the really uh, the fathers are far more impactful on their children's lives i think negative or positive uh, probably Most, more so mostly negative, negative. <laughs> mostly negative a lot of negative um 
than, than the mothers are. Like, we get to a certain point in this list, so I'm just like, yeah, all these mothers are pretty good. But Michi, not a good mother. It, it's a good point to call out now. A recurring theme is going to be like, hey, what little we have on this person. Um, and in this case, it's not good. There's like no redeeming qualities ever called out. Uh, it's all maybe worth calling out that May eventually, you know, kind of turns a corner. Maybe not for like good, right, wrong reasons, but you know, she does eventually. Um, okay, number fourteen, Michi. Number thirteen. Number thirteen, Poppy Bayfong, which is Tal's mom, which is an interesting name, Poppy. Um, she's pretty fairly I don't know, non-existent. I feel like her impact on Toph was just a kind of reaction or just going along with her father's um, her father's how he wanted to parent Toph. But, you know, you don't get credit for her being just the one of the accomplices. You know, you're also responsible for that. There's there's a phrase for it. I can't think of it, but guilty by association. Complicit? Uh, no, complic- no, no, no. Well, same same concept though, right? Yeah, yeah apathy is is uh, the enemy here. I can't yeah, and so we and so you know, Tal's mom, you know, didn't believe in her child, didn't let her be a child, didn't let her have friends, just wanted to overprotect her, um, and you know, just didn't see her for the child that she was. She, side note, she did eventually. Uh, raise Su Yin, which would uh, sort of come up later, because uh, Toph gets to a certain point where she's like, "Just go stay with your grandmother," and so they must reconcile at some point. What well, Toph did reconcile with her father in the comics, but uh, so she must reconcile with her mother also. I would, I would not have put Poppy quite this low. Ultimately, it's pretty low impact, and felt like your logic was good. Um, but uh, the one credit I'm going to give her is at least that her actions, even if they were bad it does seem like they at least came from a fairly good mm. place like a protective that's place true. That's but, uh, true. but you got to take responsibility for the outcome the results of your actions also so um so i you know ultimately i get it it's pretty low impact because she's a bad mom either way yeah number 12 jessa from kiyoshi novels she is after kiyoshi's mother and this i think is really really interesting first of all jessa is a crook yeah. Yeah, she's part of part of a criminal underground syndicate, um, but and she abandoned Kyoshi. You know, on I forget what that town is called. It eventually becomes Kyoshi's Island. Um, but, you know, she abandons her and her husband Hark, abandoned Kyoshi, and I mean, they didn't like leave. All they left her was that chest with the metal fans and like a book. For for codes and stuff, we're getting in to the Dalfe, um, and and somewhere to meet maybe the Fine Opera Company, but but you the book doesn't tell you exactly why they left her, but I think I think as you as a viewer can kind of assume that they left Kiyoshi because they knew she was the Avatar and because they were crooks, they felt like they probably couldn't raise her. And to be a good avatar, the the book honestly doesn't uh, doesn't even I think imply this to a certain extent. But I think you can take this away. And the reason why I say that you can take this away is because they were fairly good parents to Lek. Like they they adopted Lek. Like Lek 
it, it was such a good moment in the book when Kiyoshi and and Lek are like that was such good great writing because Lek is like oh Jess and Hark were like great like they were you know they took after me and everything because Lek was like an orphan that they took in and Kiyoshi's like f them I don't I don't give a crap about them and those two just butted heads a lot but then they you know spoiler they eventually um come to really respect and admire and really cherish one another until tragedy strikes oh, oh, as happens in those books yeah i i would not uh i would not argue or, or disagree with your statement or at least the one i would agree with is i don't think that's implied in the book that they knew she was the avatar i don't think it that's implied in any way um i just sort of presume that they thought maybe she would have a better life as not a crook i'd I, I just, I if it wasn't for the leg piece, because to me, why would you raise a child and and be fairly loving towards that child? Um, and, and why would you abandon another child that was your, your blood child, unless you had a good reason for abandoning her? I say, but be, no, they didn't. People, they didn't apply that. People change. The, maybe Lek was no, like on true. his deathbed. Uh, you know, I, I, so that's well, why I couldn't I couldn't argue with your reason, and I'm totally okay with it. I just would never yeah. say it was implied. I don't think. No, uh, I don't think it was implied either. I, I'm I'm putting one and two together to make possibly four. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, in general though, I still like the the rationale there, and it creates a really neat uh, backstory of like, hey, our kid is the Avatar. <gasps> Wait a minute, <laughs> we are. This don't suit our lifestyle very well. Hey, remember uh, when I left the airbenders because I wanted to steal stuff? <laughs> yeah, I think I've got an idea of how to treat this child. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jessa. But, but we know there's good parenting skills in there somewhere. Yeah. Like legit um, ones. Man, I, uh, I I need to re-listen to the to the um, audio book of Rise Kyoshi or just reread it, probably listen to it. I uh, love that moment yeah. at the end of Shadow of Kyoshi where uh, Kyoshi sees like just an airbender lady with with arrows and she's like no 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 this can't be it like she runs away from Yang Chen because she thinks it's her mother yeah <laughs> and then mess with my mind a little bit the first time I read it oh uh, and then the writing is so good in that moment because then Yang Chen is like it says like even though they just and then Kyoshi realizes that it's Yang Chen and then the writing says like even though they just Realize the contrary. Yang Chen says, "My child, like I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, or something to that uh, effect." Like, and Yang Chen like gives her a hug, like, "Oh, that's so good." Yang Chen would have been, uh, I want, I just want more Yang Chen stuff. Anyway, I want more. Vi- I want more violent Yang Chen. Let's get some. Let's get a rated <laughs> R. No, um, <laughs> go read those books though. Definitely go read the first one. I'm still like lukewarm on the second, but I say read them both. I love. The, I love the first one way more, yeah. but I love the second one because it just provided so much context to the Avatar universe. As within the story, just within itself, wasn't as interesting to me as the first one. But I think that's really what put the actual story bit itself isn't as good, but the mm-hmm. the lore is still awesome. Yep. Okay, so number eleven, Toph Bay Fong. Ah, this is this is rough, right? Like Toph is fan favorite character but she could have been not... lower have we i mean 
I, it's hard to say that, but when I was it, thinking about who to move around, I was like, did we ever see one good Toph mom moment? That's a very good question. So let's talk about Toph's parenting style. First, let's talk about how she was raised, because I think that influenced a lot about her parenting style. Her parents were very restrictive. Her parents made her stay in the house. Toph was the opposite of that. She just let her kids kind of do what they wanted to do. So Lynn Beifong, and, and I f- for some reason, I get the sense that Toph didn't give them enough attention. Because um, Lynn Beifong was like, you know what, I'm gonna be like my mom. I'm gonna, I'm gonna become a police. I'm gonna work under her and, and everything and eventually become chief. And so she was like, uh, doing that side of Toph that was, you know, um, uh, protecting rules and protecting laws and governing and stuff like that. And then Suyin just had so much freedom. She was the opposite. She was like Toph when she was a, a child, right? Because Toph was, Toph didn't care. Toph was breaking laws. She didn't care about anything. So Suyin was, was so much more like her. And Toph, not knowing what a good parent's supposed to do, you know, treated. I don't think she was the, the, the greatest mother, right? When Suyin, you know, got in trouble and stuff with the law, Toph just, just swept it under the rug and was like, you got to go stay with your grandma. Like, you can't be here. Um, she didn't try and handle the situation herself, right? And also the thing about parenting is <laughs> oftentimes uh, the thing that one simply hates, I think, most is that when you don't treat them the same, right? Um, you know, Suyin just got off without, you know, much of a punishment and 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 uh and Lynn felt you know almost betrayed by that like she felt like you know how how is this like why should I always get off on on these things <laughs> so like, I still bring up with my sisters like I I'm sure I had the worst whoopings <laughs> out of my family <laughs> um but uh one time my two older sisters were fighting I think they were play fighting they were play wrestling in the hallway they like then bumped into the wall and made a huge like I say Ninja Turtle size dent shell it was a half in the shell wall. It was. It, it seemed like one of Ninja Turtles took a half shell to the wall, and we we're all like, me and my other sister, like, ooh, y'all about to get it, and they never got a whooping, and we're still bringing that up to this day. So, but my dad was, you know, most of the time he's fairly consistent. There's been there was one time I should have got whooped that I didn't get whooped. I thought it was another time that I did get whooped. I feel like I shouldn't have got whooped. Not important. It all Point washes being, out when uh, when the uh, intentions are good. It washes out sometimes, maybe. I don't know. Point being, Tom never seemed consistent with her children. Um, and um, yeah, she yeah, we we've never seen really an image of Top being a good mom until afterwards, until she's really old, until her kids are like forty years old, right? Top is Top is like she pretty much apologizes. Yeah, and then she's got some maybe more motherly traits, even toward not a ton, even toward Cora, but but you see some growth of human in there, maybe. Yeah. Sorry, Toph. We still like you. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, is that it's not like it's it's not like it's bad writing, right? Um, I think it's actually good writing. It's real characters, it's real people, exactly. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. If you so, uh, I love my parents. I had a lovely childhood, but my grandma like was like the spoiled grandma. Like she's a stereotype grandma. 
So if I had caused trouble and then got to go live with grandma, I'd be like, all right, <laughs> nice. <laughs> I do this more often. There's not a diss on my, on my childhood or anything like that. Just had a spoiling grandma. Anyway. I don't know how it would be if I would go see my grandma. I mean, I would be, I don't know. She wasn't that spoiling. It was just, I would be less spoiled. My parents didn't necessarily spoil me, but I, I, I got what I wanted, I guess, and needed. And and so they were you know, maybe, always had Maybe good, your grandma had different, you know, different values about what need was. Yeah. Happens. Happens. Both of my both my grandmas were were pretty pretty well spoilers, uh, so I probably would have gotten away with murder at either ones, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's also because I was a good kid. They never had any reason to like. It wasn't like other siblings and stuff. Like I never gave them a reason to to get upset with me, and they just spoiled me because of it. I was a good kid. All right, number ten, lady. <laughs> Lady Hausa, Hausa Waza. I don't think we ever. I say Waza, but I. I think no... Waza is is the most correct. I think I can get it. Sorry, Regina, when I missed. If anybody it. out there has this as your name, we are so sorry. Yes, very sorry. Um, so, if you guys don't know Lady Waza, she is from the Kyoshi novel, specifically from Shadow of Kyoshi. Uh, she was kind of a, a one of the main antagonists in it. She is the mother. So the the whole kind of story of Rise of Kyoshi, Shadow of Kyoshi, sorry, was that there was like this conflict in the Fire Nation, a whole Game of Thrones-ish like battle for the crown of the Fire Lord through some political means. The fire, the previous Fire Lord, he had a son. He became Fire Lord. I think his, his name was Zoryu, Fire Lord Zoryu. But he was really weak and really timid and, and a weakling and everything. But the Fire Lord also had a he had a few mistresses. <laughs> but he had a specific mistress, Lady Huaza, who was like a high-ranking family, and he actually loved her. Like they actually loved each other. I mean, he loved his other wife, his the fire lady as well. But he loved Lady Huaza. Uh, but to not disrespect her, um, also she was a high-ranking family. Not disrespect the family. He legitimized his bastard, and so his his bastard is actually older than Zoryu, the fire lord, and so. There's this whole like claim to the throne thing going on that they have to kind of squash. So, I think Lady Waza is a we're getting to the point where I think she's actually a fairly good mother. Like even though she's the antagonist in Shadow of Kyoshi, she, I don't remember her doing anything like really villainous. She wasn't like uh, she might be politically uh, not like our favorite person as an antagonist, but I don't know. She had a good relationship like, with her son. Yeah. And um, yeah, she had she had a great relationship with her son, uh, which that's what we're judging here. Um, Maybe her son and, and grew the thing up to is, be kind is that, of a prick, uh, but like, I don't know. He, oh, that's true. But, no, that's but, true. but we've also had worse antagonists, and like the dude. The thing about that story is that he has I don't want to say some claim, but he like it's easy to empathize with his cause. Mm-hmm. So even though he is being a prick, it's hard not to be like you know what I get. Yeah. Because one thing, Zoryu is weak. <laughs> he is. He yeah. is. Um, you know, he has no. He feels like he has no power. Even even when I forgot his name, the 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 bastard. Um, but he can he can so easily manipulate Zoryu. Like he he has that feeling that of of being the Fire Lord. He has that presence while Zoryu doesn't. And Zoryu doesn't seem like he can actually rule 
all that well. Like he's not like Prince Wu, where it's just like, all right, this is an incompetent idiot. But to me, both of their claims to the throne. One thing to me, bloodline <laughs> shouldn't make as big of a difference as who would be the better ruler. And to me, both their claims to the throne was fairly fine. And so I don't. It's not that I don't, I, I empathize with them. Like I'm not gonna be like you're a villain. She she wasn't to me technically a big villain. She was antagonist, sure, and she probably did this for more selfish that's reasons. Good, that's but... a good call there. It's uh, she could be an antagonist without being a villain. I, I dig that. Yeah. Uh, she didn't do. I don't remember them doing anything. What are they they like, like poison right. fields on the on the hillside. Yeah, and that's about as bad as it gets. Like okay, so she's a bad neighbor. All right. <laughs> No, she's she is the antagonist. I'm not trying to overturn. I'm yeah. not a literary uh, thinker quite like that. But I I like this pick here. I like that you've got a quote unquote antagonist of a story, uh, ranking yeah. higher up above these other legitimately worse mobs. Yeah, and I do think you do empathize with us. She tells Kyoshi her backstory. She was like, "Yeah, I mean, the Farlu were in love, and then one day he met with like some council and." And that day he kind of broke up with me and because politically it would have been better if he married this other woman. And then she, I uh, ended up naming her son like after some name that should have been uh, Lady Housel's name, but she like stupidly or not stupidly. She blissfully ignorantly named her son in a disrespectful manner to something Lady Housel uh, could have named her son. Some to that effect. And so to me, Lady Waza comes off a lot more oh, sympathetic than uh, your typical antagonist. Yeah, I'm game. I like that pick. Number nine, Ursa. This is this is really interesting. Uh, so I think Ursa is a fairly good mother. She does, uh, you know, she she does leave her kids. Uh, oh, also, before anyone says anything, there's there's been like this like small little segment of fandom who's like, Azula deserves such a better mother than Ursa. Like some of them think Ursa hated Azula for some reason. They're like, Ursa called Azula. Are those Ursa the same Azula. people that like model their want to model their relationship off of uh, Harley Quinn and Joker? Is it the Probably. same group of people? <laughs> yeah, you know how that box. Um, because they're like, Azula's, Ursa thought Azula was a monster. Like, she never said that. Like, Azula said, my own mother thought I was a monster. But, like, we, you can't take Kids Azula's say word. crap all the time. Teenagers say crap all the time. I'm not going to take that word as law. Yeah. <laughs> we all thought our parents treated us like we were monsters from time to time. And she's loud, so she said it out loud. And she's probably wrong. Yeah. So, a couple things in Ursa's favor here. Um, you know, Ursa, first of all, Ursa was in probably the most abusive relationship we see in the show. Like, if they wanted to be more adult, they could have got way more adult with it because you can insinuate that there was that it's an assault that's happening. This whole relationship is an assault. She didn't want to marry the Fire Lord. She was already engaged to Akeem. Like, they forced her, forced, heavily emphasis on that word, to into this marriage. Um, um, actually, specifically because to bear children who Fire Lord, the, the Fire Lord, um, uh, Sozan, not Fire Lord Sozan, Fire Lord Zulan, 
you know, it was like, oh yeah, you guys will, you're the descendant of Roku. You guys have some powerful kids. Like, and, um, and so they, you know, she was forced in this marriage, uh, but she still loved both her children. You know, when that night, when she was conspiring with Fire Lord um, Ozai to kill his father, she was like, I'm, but I'm taking the kids. I'm taking both. The, she said both kids. <laughs> He was like, no. He, she didn't. She wasn't like, but I'm taking. It was like some negotiation. Yeah, it was like some negotiation thing where she was like, I'm taking both kids. He was like, no. And she was like, all right, just Suko. Just it was, the it wasn't top like, part. Yeah, just the top. Um, she said, I'm taking both kids, and Fire Lord Ozai said no because he's going to use them as, as a, as bargaining for her. Like if she ever came back, like he would threaten to kill them. Um, and, and so also another thing, so before we see in the show, before she leaves, like she goes to Zuko's bed and she's like, it's, she kisses him and then he wakes up and then she's like, Zuko, like everything I did, I did it for you. Like, I, I love you. Um, just remember who you are before that, before she goes to Zuko's room, she goes to Zula's room, kisses her goodbye, but Zula doesn't wake up, um, which is really interesting. Like what if Azula woke up? Like that would have informed that character. I think it wouldn't have changed that that much. But it would have provided her a little bit more insight that her mother loved her. Just to wonder about what she would have said to her in conversation, at least. Yeah, that would have been interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the the bad thing that Ursa did. So Ursa left. So far, Ursa, great mother. So far. <laughs> the bad thing that I'm going to hold against her, which is why she's ranked this low, is that she went to the mother of faces, who was ranked number 15, and <laughs> I kind of forgotten. And uh, and you know, mother face said, "I can give you a new face. I can give you new memories." Um, and the and Ursa, she hurt so bad, she wanted to forget. I mean, you know, she was like, "You got to forget it all. Got to forget your kids. Got to forget everything." And so Ursa purposely forgot her own children. That's. I think a little messed up. <laughs> like to forget, I, I I get that the pain of being away from them is so much, um, but uh, it's a little that, way. That's a that's a little much, yeah. Um, I think that's a fair a fair doc. And then you know, even in the abusive relationship, uh, don't ever stay in an abusive relationship. But obviously, uh, you wouldn't want to leave your kids in an abusive home either. So this is a tough. No. Well, I don't think she had a choice no, in that matter. Like, no, she wasn't, yeah, she wasn't about to overpower. Yeah, the, the there's no, there's no winning there. Uh, so even if you want to dock a yeah. little bit for leaving or not at all, I'm, I could see it either way. Yeah. I mean, and a lot of you know women in real life feel like they can't leave their abusive husbands, you know, and then they, you know, you can call the cops on 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 them. You can get you know restraining or she can't get that. She he's the fire lord. Like there's <laughs> nothing she can't do anything. He is. The the law above all other laws. Call the daily. No, uh, there's no no win in there for sure. But yeah, sorry, Ursa. But don't forget him. Don't forget him, Ursa. That hurts a little bit. Yeah. Oh, she's also the mother of Iki. Not wait, not Iki. Kiki. That's her name. Kiki. And she's a fairly good mother to Kiki. Um, in which what is really tiny interesting. Bit we see, I suppose. Yeah, what time? Yeah. Uh, it was a really interesting part of the story where, you know, Ursa's face changes back to her real face. And Kiki is like, I don't know, like she's she's so kind of removed from her, um, which I mean that 
you know, you get new memory, your old memories back in a new phase that changes who you are, like your memories make, you know, you are who you are because of your memories and part of your genetics. Um, but, you know, memories is a big part of that. But eventually Kiki comes around. Anyway, number eight, Graham Graham. This, this one hurt a little bit to put any sweet old <laughs> Graham Graham down this low. Uh, but it's a testament <laughs> testament to the quality uh, that we're about that we're getting into here. Good moms in the show. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Graham Graham, she she's yeah. I put her in here mostly because of her time as a grandmother. You know, she was she raised Saka and Guitar essentially. You know, she believed in them enough to <laughs> to uh, to let them go off and it's safe the world. Without John really asking sounds, a whole lot of questions, she's just like, yeah, almost right. sounds like a bad mom. Like, there you go. But she's I know old you're... enough that, like, if she still held belief in the Avatar, and like, you know, maybe, maybe the real parents wouldn't have. But Graham Graham's like, no, I remember this. This is a good idea. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't know. I just it hurts yeah. to see any sweet old grandma down this low on the list. Uh, other than that, we didn't even talk about Toph as a grandma. She seemed to be a pretty good grandma. A fairly, like, um, uh, Opal loved her a lot. By that point, they reconciled. Um, but anyway. More opportunities to touch on Toph as a grandma later in the list, I imagine. Potentially. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Sorry, Graham, Graham, Graham. But you were good for what you did, but you did let your small teenage children just go try to save the world, which is... Maybe frowned upon, but you know they almost, they almost died a lot of times. They almost died numerous times, <laughs> and they were by other people that died and almost died numerous times. Yeah. Uh, number seven is Katara. Uh, yeah, this might be. I mean, <laughs> if I was like a Katara fan, I'd be like, "Wait, what? Number seven? Um, this is a more of a product of we don't have as much information about Katara." Um, to help us out, I do think. I do think she probably tried to, to help out with the shortcomings that Aang had as a, as a father. You know, I think Aang was a fairly decent, good enough father, but he definitely had some shortcomings, no doubt about that. Um, the thing most about Katara's mother, the scene the most that I think about when I think about how good of a mother she was, is when she encourages Tenzin to take Kai and Bumi with him on a on their vacation whatever because she's like you know you gotta cherish this time with your kid with your siblings because as soon as you know it'll be it'll be up uh, i just thought that was some really good motherly advice and it was such to me that's so real for mothers to be like i just want my kids to all be together <laughs> like my family's visiting next week at first at first it was, it was just gonna be my mom and dad then it was like my mom dad and my niece then it was my mom dad my niece and my sister then it was my mom, dad, my niece, my sister, and my other niece. And now it's my mom, two sisters, one niece. They took off the niece because there's not enough room in the car. But she didn't make the cat. So, Sorry, yeah, kid. But I'm sure, like, there's been some times that my mom. I know she just wants us all together. So uh, I mean, I'm still missing one other sister. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, two other sisters. But <laughs> um. I'd, I'd say the same. My mom always, uh, that's like, we always ask her what she wants for Christmas. She always gives that cheesy line of, I just want everybody to be in the house. And be like, okay, but we still have to like buy you something. <laughs> we, we agree. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, that's a that's a really nice small example. Even if we don't get a lot of other tangible tangible evidence, it's hard to imagine Katara not being a not like being a good I'm mom. I'm sure. Just oh, pretty minimalist. Yeah. One uh, thing that I love about Katara is that she was she was also kind of a mother to Sokka in, in a weird way. Right? I mean, we know she has these motherly good tendencies. Like one of my favorite lines in Avatar. I say that all the time about lines. <laughs> um, one of my favorite Sokka lines is when Sokka's talking to Toph and uh, and they're having this one-on-one after Toph and Katara got in that fight. And Sokka's like, you know, yeah, it's, you know, Katara can be pushy and shovey and all up in your face and your business and stuff, but I rely on that. Like, um, what do you say? He says, um, you know, Katara's always been there for me you know, he's, she's she's been like a mother to me. When I try to think about how my mother looks, all I see is Katara. Like that's such a a sad line and well, on so many levels, but also right now at ten fifty five on a Friday night, <laughs> make you feel feelings. But also such a good line for for Sokka to mm-hmm. to understand just how important Katara is. So Katara, without a doubt, I know. You know, I might might be a little biased, but I, from what we get, but I know she has more of those motherly tendencies and I know that she was probably a, a great mother just wish I had more background on that to, to support her and put her higher because she could definitely be higher you know on this list agreed agreed and that's like we're getting into a territory where a lot of them are tough to place just based on content so yeah number six uh Sila she is if you don't know who Sila is she is we have to look up this name honestly she is the mother from Zuko alone. And so I really wanted to put her in here because I feel like she was a good mother because not only did she, you know, look after her son um, while she was trying to battle, while she was trying to kind of hold this family together, right? Like her oldest son went off to war. He's probably dead. Um, and, you know, she was welcoming in this new person into her life. Like she was fully welcoming in. Like they were wanting him to stay like she was offering Zuko to stay with them. Um, also a lot of people hate her for some reason. Well, I know the reason why at the end of the episode, <laughs> you know, Zuko beats Gao. I think it was his name. And he, he's like, I am Prince of the fire nation, heir to the throne, Thief. mother of Ur- son of Ursa and fire Lord Ozai. He's, he's stupidly, <laughs> Say he had caught him monologuing is what happened. Yeah, um, and like she's protecting her son, right? Which that's that's what a mother should do: protect her children. Like Zuko is the firebender; he's the son of the. Like if you try to imagine, if a earth random earth being citizen tries to imagine the fire lord in their head, you know, just like Aang did. Like you imagine like the toughest, baddest person this is the son and he just beat this bully with fire bending and sores like he's scary like the fire nation is what's been ripping these families apart and she's like don't come close to him a lot of people hate her for in that moment because they're like oh zuko just saved your son like no the biggest threat here is actually zuko to, to them uh big picture whether i wanted to or not it's how i would react I said, no, whether it's the right thing or the wrong thing, it's what I would do because, yeah, holy shit, here he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, he's over here. He's over here bragging about being the son of the guy who's 
solely well, responsible for my son being on the front lines over here somewhere, probably dead. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's like I said, whether or not it's right or wrong, it's what I would do. And as a parent, I think it's what I would do. Um, I mean, it's a they had a nice relationship, but you still ain't known this kid for a couple of days. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I, no qualms in that action from me realistically. Yeah. So number five is Senna, which is Cora's mother. Um, you know, Senna. Pro- oh, this was one. Senna probably could have been maybe a little bit lower. Now I think about it, because you know we see her in the show. She's you know a great mother. Um, I have very little uh, experience in the show to this point, just being near the end of uh, of chapter uh, book two. Well, um, so I, I think seen a ton I think I think you've it. gotten I think you've gotten the gist of 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 her. Um, she, her, and Tonrock did lie to Cora, <laughs> kind of a lot. I mean, they did it to protect her because uh, Cora was kidnapped at the age of four. And like, so they just wanted Cora. So that yeah, but, probably... So even that part, what you're saying, that's not until book three, like when they have those discussions and stuff, right? Like, all I see True. it to this point is just protective. So I, yeah. all I'm saying is I have to kind of stay out of this one because I don't right. remember enough. I have no opinion uh, here. So, uh, so I mean, you know, they've, they kind of lied to Cora saying that, that Avatar Aang wanted her to stay in the South Pole. No, Aang didn't want that. Like, they wanted that to protect Korra. Um, and also, they, you know, Senna has a good line of, of like, Korra asked her, like, why didn't you and Dad, like, I don't know, try to fight for the throne and stuff? And she's like, me and Dad just wanted, like, a normal life. And then that went out the window. We had you, the Avatar. <laughs> you ruined everything. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so honestly, I probably could have put her a little bit low. I probably would have put, but she's to me. She, her and Cora, I just see so much of their relationship together, um, and and uh, and, and Cora seems to show really nothing but love. I don't know her, if you said anything that makes me feel like it would be lower. Like I, the lying there can maybe a little overprotective to not just tell the truth part of it, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, good intentions, good ends. In this case, it worked. Uh, yeah. Again, is it what I would do? Maybe. Whatever I had to say um, to get my kid down south. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Senna seems like a, a really good mother, and to me, there, there's a like I said before, there's a lot of great mother-daughter moments with her. And one thing I love is that you don't really see that often with the main protagonist. I think in any medium, uh, well, you often don't see main protagonists with their parents and, and much mediums for some reason, parents dying and parents being terrible parents is like a, a constant story trope. Like whether you're looking at like superheroes, like Batman doesn't. Have- well, there's no need to get upset at your phone. Hey, look, there's uh, <laughs> there's Chris from a different angle. Um, uh, like, I th- like Batman doesn't have parents. Like this is such a common thing. And what the heck? I, uh, yeah, I think uh, maybe bad parenting is just the inspiration for a lot of stories. I don't know what's going on now. Chris is just throwing his phone. Um, hey, Superman has uh, has good parents and good adoptive parents. So he's kind of two for two. I mean, yeah, but like parents are missing oftentimes. That's true. They're still, okay, that's fair. Yeah. 
Okay, I think I'm good now. Stop throwing your phone, man. That ain't even nice. Um, yeah, I, that's a common theme, especially in Disney movies. Don't want to be a parent in a Disney movie. Yeah. It's never a good time. That's Senna. Ready for number four? Number four is Hey Ron. Uh, so me and Sean discussed this before. Hey Ron, well, hey Ron is from the Kyoshi novels. She's the mother of Rongi, which is Kyoshi's um, love interest partner. I mean, you get people yeah, know. Love interest, now. yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, Hey Ron is my favorite mother on this list. Two out of two you, yeah. random podcast hosts agree. <laughs> Um, I wanted to give her an award or a sticker or something. Then I ran out of time and I'm very lazy. Uh, but she does so many, like she, she is clearly flawed and she demonstrates mm. as flaws. <laughs> and the books have the novelty of maybe elaborating on some of these relationships in just a little more depth and detail. Uh, but she does so many sick things as a mom, especially in the context of like her position and abilities and power and things like that especially in that context that she can still do a lot of sick mom stuff and have a good relationship with her daughter and her daughter's love interest or partner or significant other, whatever you want to call it, uh, is astounding to me. So she is an easy favorite. I was very sad to see her here, but I get the rationale. Wouldn't change it. Just want to give her a high five. Yeah. My favorite, uh, my favorite Hey Ron scene has no action in it. Uh, well, I think we talked about this before. Kyoshi and Rangi just had a hu- huge argument. <laughs> like it was, it was a massive argument. Like everybody worried about the breakup argument. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> Kyoshi, I think is uh, it was really great. Kyoshi, and I was a good sight in the mind of Kyoshi. Uh, Kyoshi is almost like bawling, cry, <laughs> like, like because she's like. Rongi is is so mad at me. Like we're gonna break up and stuff. <laughs> and then, and I think it reads like, oh yeah, because at this point in the story, so uh, Kyoshi just kind of used Rongi as bait for for a, a villain. And no, I'm sorry, Kyoshi just used Heiron as bait. And in that fight, Rongi's I'm sorry, Heiron's throat gets hurt to where she can't talk, and so she's using chalk to write. So all right, anyway. Paint scene again. Uh, Rongi just rushed out the door. <laughs> Kyoshi is in tears, crying. Like imagine Kyoshi, the the BA avatar that we all know, is <laughs> just like crying her heart out. And then and then the 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 passage reads like, and a piece of chalk hits Kyoshi in the head from across, thrown from across the room. And then like, Heiron is writing on the chalk. She can't talk. Like, calm down. She's fine. She's going to forgive you. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then Kelsey just like sobbing, like, but what if she does it? <laughs> and Aaron's like, don't worry. Like, my daughter loves you. Like, you know, and I think, and I think this is one moment that she says, like, you're part of my family also. And like, don't worry. Rongi's going to come in at some point, say something rude, but. She'll she'll forgive you like in a couple of days. Don't don't worry. Something to do and with then, like, food. They mentioned eating a bowl of rice or something. I forget. Yeah. So then, so then, so uh, then, um, constant thing about Rangi is that 
Rangi's always getting on Kiyoshi about eating right <laughs> and also doing training. And at this point, I think Kiyoshi hasn't eaten like all day. And then, like a second later, like Rangi breaks breaks to the room and like, here I made you some noodles. <laughs> and, and she throws them on the floor. And then Kiyoshi gets up and like eats them. <laughs> and then it reads like they had no fire, like in this place. And so Rangi like handmade these noodles. <laughs> And but they were like unflavored or anything, and and Kyoshi, like Gin picks up the noodles and starts eating them, and then Heron puts like, "See, it only took you like a day, like, like she loves you." And then it says like Kyoshi then ate the noodles. And it was the best thing she's ever eaten before because she knew that Rangi was like going to forgive her and that everything was going to be fine between them two. And the most important scene, as far as Mom is concerned, is that they would have listened to Mom. They would have caught the bastard, but they went soft. They did go soft. Listen to mom. Okay, I know she would have died, but that's beside the point. It was, she was in on it. I, I do not think Rongi would have forgiven Kyoshi if her mother died. Yeah, but mom was still right, technically. Listen to mom. <laughs> um, that still pisses me off to this day. Like That would have made a way more, I don't know. I mean, It would have made a shorter so, book, but how sick would that have been? Part of me, remember when we were like, trying to theorize how Rise of Shadow of Kyoshi was going to go. Like, yeah. I theorized that, like, and it was in a Fire Nation, I theorized that Rangi would, like, eventually take over the throne through some through whatever means, and, like, her and Kyoshi may come in conflict with each other, or her and Kyoshi wouldn't be able to be together because Rangi is now the Fire Lord, and, like, their responsibilities would have just torn each other apart. Mm-hmm. So, like, to me, I there was, was actually really good... I was leaning good... more toward the first, is that it was going to flip to a conflict... Yeah, all of that would have either one of those would have made for like a really good story, probably a better story, honestly. I think than we got from maybe, the but book. I would have liked it less because of feelings. Exactly, Sean. <laughs> I would have liked it less. I I rather have this ending with them because I did not want them to split up. Like they're they're the they're the best couple, I think, in in all of Avatar. They might be. They are. We just you get a little more depth into their specific relationship, and it's great, and I love it. And uh, especially knowing what we got now, yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I'm glad we were wrong. Let's put it that way. Yes. Uh, number three is Pema. There's absolutely nothing bad to say about Pema. I don't think <laughs> she she has like four of the most. Raising these kids. Look, I got three kids. It's some days, <laughs> some days my patience gets short and I have good kids. Like they're, they're fairly well behaved. They're, they're not airbenders running around. They're not Milo fart airbending around here. Um, you know, she has four kids and it can be hard. It can be easy to raise because they have very distinct personalities. They can come into conflict with each other and they fight. And when kids fight, Sean, it's so annoying. So annoying when I when I fight because it's just like there's no real logical reason for you guys to be fighting right now. Like why can't you guys just be adults? Because <laughs> you're not adults. You're I've kids. been around my nephews long enough to hear a pointless fight spring up over a French fry. You know, I've I've been there. <laughs> like I like will be playing a game. Like me, and my sister, me, and my sister, me, and my daughter, be playing a game, and like my son kind of gets in on it, but he says something that's not like he breaks the rules of the game, even though he's not even playing the game. And my daughter's like, "No, that's not how it goes." I'm like, "Kenzie, it doesn't matter. Like, why stop arguing? He's having fun just in his own head. Like, it don't it doesn't matter that he's 
<laughs> He's a tiny person <laughs> who doesn't read rules yet. Yeah. But so Pema, great mother. I think she supports her children in, in the best of ways. Um she uh she also <laughs> made Milo like those little cakes. And uh, she's just a nice, very nice mother. There's nothing bad I think at all to say about Pema. Yeah, she's got a lot of like uh I don't know, like the like the classic mom traits where there's some some mom comedy and things like that. Yes, I, just, uh, I don't I don't I don't know if modern mom's the right way to call it because well because she's not really a modern mom in that sense, but she like resembles a very relatable form of a mom to me. Yeah, and did we rank Tenzin number one in our dads? Well, I know we ranked him high. He might have been number one. Two... I don't remember now. Okay. But either way, he's either. He... He's either in one or two. I don't remember now. But yeah, he was one or two for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't remember. So them them two, I think, are definitely the best parents we see in, in all of Avatar, that combo there. They are and they're adorable as heck. Number two. Should Kaya. Done, should have done a drum that, roll. I don't know what I was <laughs> Sean, what am I that's thinking? Okay. Man, they might not know who number one is still. They might still be like going through mothers. I wouldn't have. Uh, I had to do a lot of googling. Haru's mother could be in this list. I I thought about putting Haru's mother in here, but when I looked her name up, she was listed as Haru's mother. I thought, okay, that, that's that's not tough a... to yeah, that's tough <laughs> to rationalize. At least the mother of faces got a name. It's a weird one, but but the thing is, yeah, mother. Uh, both have moms in their titles, <laughs> but but hers is like way more. I don't know. Uh, mother of faces the mother refer to of herself faces. in the third person. That's yeah, not. That's not. She's the mother of code. That's not her. That's not. How she's referred to as the mother of faces. It's a. It's a title. It's a proper. Okay, so uh, I have Kaya ranked this high. We don't really see that much of her. Uh, I mean, we understand that she was a good mother, even from some of the flashbacks. If she's a good mother. But what puts her up this high is that she sacrificed herself for you know for her daughter Katara. I know the other ones would do it too, but they didn't do it, and Kaya did, and you know she it's, sacrificed it's her like, life. It's almost like a, a weighted paper, right? Like we're only seeing one one small example of one good motherly thing. It's just that it's the best most badass mom thing that you could possibly do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you have any... Yeah, there's not that much to say about Kaya, really. She, uh, yeah, you know, I wish we had a little more to go off of, but, uh, you know, she died young and it's tragic and sometimes mystery is mm. intriguing. Uh, wish, wish we had more, of course, but yeah, when the only, when the only piece of evidence, uh, tangible evidence you really have is it's like A plus plus caliber, um, you know. <laughs> what else? <laughs> what else do you do? So, yeah. thanks, Kaya. You did great. So, who could be oh, number one? Is I, already ruined it. <laughs> yeah. it's okay. I didn't know you were going for a for a lead in. I ruined uh, everything. It's okay. Uh, it is Suyin Beifong. First of all, Suyin Beifong is just life goals, right? Like she, to me, she she's the person to. Uh, really aspire to be like, and I, 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 you can just look at one quote of hers. She's like, oh, well, I'm a entrepreneur. 
I'm a leader in my own state of governance. I'm a collector of meteorites. I'm a dancer. I'm a wife. I'm a mother. Like she, she has work-life balance goals. She has it figured out, <laughs> which is uh, interesting seeing how she was raised. Um, you know, she is the mother of, geez, how many kids she has? She has Batard Jr. She has the two twins. She has, I think his name is Juan, and she has Opal. And and she talks, she is like the one person who talks about like motherhood is great. Like, oh, my children are a blessing. Like, she seems like a really good mom to, to all her kids. Like, she supports them. She really encourages them to, to come up with new things, to find their own uh, destiny. Um, you know, she was a little bit apprehensive of, of uh, not letting Opal uh, travel. But that was like a day of being apprehensive to it, which honestly, all mothers don't want their kids to leave <laughs> far. Mm-hmm. Uh, which that's so that's understandable. That, that's just more of a sign that you love your kids. Um, also, she is sort of an adoptive mother of Kuvira. Um, Kuvira has some terrible parents. Oh, we didn't mention Kuvira's parents. One thing they don't really have names. And, but they're they're in the comics. Mother of they, Kavira just don't ring right. Yeah, uh, Kavira was uh, in the flashbacks in the comics of uh, Runes of Empire. You see Kavira as a child. Even as a child, she was like really demanding. She was uh, uh, breaking toys, hurting people all the time. She was hard to raise, and so her her parents was like, "We can't deal with this anymore." Like, there's this metal bender master in the city who says that she can take you. Whatever we can't we can't deal with you, and so they just give her to Suye. And that's Suyin. number sixteen material at its finest, right there. <laughs> yeah, like you gotta try. You you, <laughs> you gotta. Uh, so Suyin took in Kuvira, and she, and this is sort of a retcon, I think, uh, in this because she, I mean, she really treated her like like a daughter. Um, like even when she's talking, there's a flashback of Opal playing with this like a. Uh, this thing, this metal playhouse, and 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 uh, Kuvira comes in there. And she's like, "I want to play," and then Opal's like, "No," and then Kuvira just metal bends it. Um, oh, which is actually pretty cool that she could metal bend at such an early age. I didn't even think about that. Um, <laughs> and she metal bends it and breaks it, and then Op- and then Kuvira, uh, Suyin comes in. She kind of breaks up the fight, and then you know she Suyin says something like really like. Um, I'm gonna grab my book, so I put them here. <laughs> Which one is that? It's think it's sorry, book three. Okay, book two. Here, nope, that's the last one. That's book three. Sorry, I'm gonna read something from Empire because it just goes to how good of a mother, um, Suyin is. So, do, 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 do. sorry, I'm going to ah, these small books. Oh, wait, it's in book three. That just had, I don't know. Ah, man. There's a, <laughs> There's a passage in Ruins of the Empire. So, Asami was just like brainwashed, right? And, uh, and like, they're kind of in between this battle. But she finally gets unbrainwashed. And like the first thing that was on Cora's mind is to like have sets really. That's what 
<laughs> so, <laughs> so they're like in a bedroom and uh and like yeah simon just got brainwashed bolin and maku are still brainwashed they have to like go to this fortress to take down this other guy <laughs> but uh Cora's just like they're in they're in the bedroom Cora's like uh all right let's put they're talking about it and Cora's like let's just put this all behind us okay and then she's like if you say so and then Cora's like leading her to the bed <laughs> and then there's a knock on the door it's like knock knock and Cora's like you gotta be kidding me who is it <laughs> and then and then Su Yin walks in <laughs> I hung a tie on the door Su Yin come on yeah Oh man. Anyway, back to what I was looking for. Okay, so uh, Suyan says to Kavira, like she, you know, she's being a good parent. You know, she says to uh, to Kavira, like if you don't learn to control your violent impulses, you're going to hurt someone in this family the way you hurt your mother. Do you understand? Like she's she's being more. Motherly, she's not coming down on Kuvira, which you at first I thought was going to happen, right? Because you know the the mother like comes down on her, like you should have done this. Like she's being, she's trying to reach her, in, in a sense. And Kuvira is not her blood uh, daughter. Like Suyin took it upon herself to to raise her. Um, and at the end of the book, um, Kuvira ends up. Uh, they kind of have a, some type of reconciliation there. And uh, and and they have like a really good, on a moment. Uh, even Suyin apologizes, Kuvira. Um, you know, she says, "I owe you an apology, Kuvira." And Kuvira says, "What are you talking about?" She says, "I can't help but think that if I had been a better mentor, a better mother, I could have guided you on a more appropriate path." So first of all, I think it's good as a as a mother to recognize that you could be better, even if you know you. Even if you're actually really good, because sometimes, I mean, I know that I could be a better father, and I think I'm a great father. I think it's the best thing that I do, but I know that I have shortcomings. And then Guevara says, you took me in when I was a wild, arrogant little girl and cared for me when no one else did. There were so many times over the years when you could have abandoned me, but you never did, not even when I was at my worst. So you have nothing to apologize for. I'm the one who is sorry. I never really, I never fully appreciated what an amazing, selfless mother you are. So this is coming from Kuvira here. And then they kind of hug. Um, but uh, so to me, that that's settled that to me, that, that Kuvira was a really good mother. I have nothing bad to say about Kuvira. I think she goes above and beyond. Not Kuvira. Suyan, sorry. That's settled it for Suyan for me. That, that Suyan goes above and beyond as a mother um, to make her children feel welcome. Even the child who... Who uh <laughs> was a problem child? Even Batar Jr. She ended up, you know, forgiving Batar Jr. And uh, you know, reconciliation is is always good. Um, so I, I thought today the reason why she welcomed in uh, Kuvira so quickly is that Su Yin was like that, right? So you know, Toph was like, whatever, I can't deal with you. Like, you gotta go stay with your mom. You gotta go stay with your grandma. And so that same thing happened to to Suyin, right? Toph couldn't deal with her the same way that Kuvira's parents couldn't deal with her. Um, and Suyin probably saw herself a lot in Kuvira. I have nothing to append because to this point, I have not seen Suyin on my second watch through, and I do not read the comics this far. 
Uh, most of what you're saying, for what it's worth, most of what you're saying strikes my memory. Uh, you know, I, I recognize that I have seen it, and it uh, seems like a great pick. Uh, <laughs> very useless at this point of the conversation. Um, what'd you say? You said it's like a work-life uh, work balance mom goals. Uh, she seems yeah. like she got that down. I I think I would... Uh, uh, what's the son's name? Batar? Batar Jr. Batar Jr. It it seems a little shameful that like two of the people that she would consider her children uh, become, uh, again, maybe more antagonists than villains if you consider their actions empathetic, empathizable. Oh, they, I, and I, fully, so, I fully side with Kuvira up to a certain point because... Uh, because uh, she did stabilize the Earth Kingdom, yeah. which we'll get into. Um, and Prince Wu is an idiot. So if we, <laughs> yeah, so if we consider the cause uh, an empathetic cause at least, uh, then maybe it's not such a big deal. Um, so yeah, like I said, I really couldn't uh, put up a fight pro or against. Uh, as we mentioned, we have a lot of good moms with a lot less to go on than what you've presented here. So I no no qualms. I mean, I like her. I like her her headdress thing there. That's pretty neat. <laughs> She's mom who's styling. Um, looking forward to getting to that season of that fourth season. Uh, pardon me, that fourth uh, book, and getting back to that one. It's been a long time. Yeah, she comes in in season three. Uh, probably, I think episode seven of season three, the Metal Clan, which is like one of my maybe it's episode six. It's one of my favorite episodes. I think. Wait, I no, just... not the Metal Clan. Sorry, Metal Clan comes in like episode five. I'm to the Metal Clan. I haven't watched that one yet. In my like watching and get my powerpoints down. Um, I haven't watched the Metal Clan yet, but I'm up to that one. Oh, okay. Love the start of season of book three. By the way, early book oh, three it's... is excellent. Yeah. It's Book great. three is so good. Spoiler alert. Uh, Chris, <laughs> final thoughts on, on moms. Where would you rank the mother moose lion? Where, where's mama moose lion? She's uh, like an eight see. or a nine she's, pick to me. She's, she's above, yeah, she's above top. She's above, <laughs> uh, uh, a little aggressive for my taste and clearly abandoned her child to get to, to, to be alone there to start with. But I mean, hey, you know, like... How old were you when you were just walking around the neighborhood by yourself? I was like eight. I didn't have a neighborhood, Chris. I don't have that experience. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's walking around a pasture alone, I guess. I don't know. Jeez. I was I was in far more danger of like breaking my leg in a hole than I was of being kidnapped. Let's put it that way. Um, uh, okay, but that's good, I guess. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, Mother Moose Lion, eight or nine in there. She's good. good mom, maybe. I'm still trying to think of if we forgot like any, any sort of high I impact. I went through all the characters, but let's know, let us know if we missed one. I can't. Yeah, I can't think of one. I got nothing. Hmm. Um, I wonder what uh, wonder what Iroh's wife was like. Never don't know. We 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 never seen never or heard. Yeah. Don't know a name or anything yeah. about Iroh's wife. And she didn't even reach Nirvana with him. That's a shame. Yeah. I uh, assume Iroh loved her. I assume it wasn't arranged marriage, like the one that was for uh, Fire Lord Ozai and Ursa. Yeah. And uh, I assume she just died early because I feel like Iroh had nothing to live for after Uten died until he found Kanazuko. 
as a as a, as a lasting the, yeah no that makes sense i i would buy that theory but um okay well that's that's our mother's day special ranking uh the best moms in avatar at least the 15 slash mostly 14 that we could think of uh chris thanks for doing literally all of the legwork i uh, <laughs> I feel like I talk way too much this episode. I uh, I don't I don't want to talk when I don't know. And uh, there's That's a lot smart. comics. Uh, comics packed a lot more punch for this than they usually do in these discussions. Uh, at least it felt like it to me, and so I don't have that wisdom. Here. Comics and the books. Yeah. Um, the books. I'm glad we got to leverage the books a lot more. I feel like we didn't maybe get to do that as much in our dad's episode. Uh, but it might just be a bias for Heron, who is. It's yeah. great. I was like, you know what? I gotta because anytime I think about Avatar moms, I immediately go to Heron. I go to Heron. Like, right, gotta yeah. gotta have Heron in here, which made me forcefully put Lady Huazu in it. Uh, you know, common thing between uh between Heron and Suyin is just the general badassness as a human, like first, mm-hmm. you know, not first, but general yeah. badass which is so... with being a sick mom yeah which is so cool because you don't see in fantasy oftentimes mothers being like the ba uh yeah it doesn't seem like it or when it or when it is when it does happen it maybe is a little too on the nose or it's the mm-hmm. purpose of the whole show but here it just is sort of a naturally blended character that feels right and not yeah not too on the nose or not uh under not unnoticed either so I like that a lot. Just uh, it's a natural blend. It's how it's supposed to be. It fits. It works. Um, yeah. Hey, uh, happy Mother's Day uh, to all you mothers and aspiring mothers out there. And that's all I got to say. I'll go call your moms. Don't text your moms. Maybe that's my word of advice. Call your moms <laughs> and your mother figures. Pick up the phone. Do dial the actual numbers. Let them hear your voice. They'll like that. Tell them you love them. Tell them you love them. Um, okay, that's our episode. Uh, my name's Sean Shaler. That's Chris Ford, a.k.a. The Objective Geek of YouTube and Twitter, semi-fame, now nah, regular fame. I've, you've graduated. I don't know why I go back to that sometimes. Um, <laughs> this, this Avatar of the Last Podcaster's Mother's Day special. We'll be back uh, next week with a regularly scheduled programming. <clears throat> Be sure to check us out at last underscore podcasters on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook.com slash Avatar the Last Podcasters. Thank you so much. We will we will see you next time.